Hey guys, what's happening? I am back with you live from Kuwait City again. Um, I'm here until Thursday and then I'll be broadcasting from South Africa back to Kuwait and then on to Bali. It's a busy road ahead. I'm very excited. We've got an amazing guest here. Um, last week, I was invited to this vegan picnic in Kuwait. And what I was surprised at is the amount of vegans that turned up for this picnic. There were over 70 conscious contributors to this world um, of all races, uh, religions, countries, whatever you deem as different, everyone was there. It was, it was amazing. Um, the borders were broken down um, and I got to meet a very special human there, Kevin Luna, the vegan, well, vegan Luna, if you've seen him on Insta. Uh, YouTuber. He's going to start his podcast soon, so follow him. He's got a very magical story. So welcome, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm happy to be here. It's a, it's a very special honor to be invited into a podcast like yours um, in, a, in, a, in a city like Kuwait, where um, not too many people come here for vacation. It's not a touristy destination, and it's, it's part of the world that is unknown to a lot of people and, and really what's going on here. Yeah, of course. There's a, there's a lot of um, different perceptions of what happens in the Middle East and what countries. And it's, it's so funny what I, I experienced it firsthand, like telling people, I'm coming here for work. I'm coming to open up a restaurant, this conscious vegan restaurant in Kuwait. And the reaction I normally got was, Kuwait, Middle East, what the hell are you doing? Absolutely. And it's just like, are you safe there? What are you going to do there? Like, those are the general questions. And I was like, I don't care. I'm going to open a vegan restaurant. I think that's amazing. So what's your experience been? How long have you been living in Kuwait now? Um, and what's your experience been? First of all, I couldn't agree more. The perception here, um, I'm from the U.S. I'm from California, San Diego, born and raised. San Diego. I'll, yeah, I'll show a photo of that tat. He's got yeah, a big so tat there. San Diego, absolutely. Um, tatted right on my arm, represent. <laughs> um, I was living in Los Angeles, and uh, I had an opportunity to come over here into Kuwait, um, do a little bit of work, um, working for some restaurants, um, and obviously helping spread um, the vegan message and, and how you can really connect it through food. I think that there's a lot of things that people don't realize how powerful food is. Um, some people eat food just to be satisfied. And food has become so much more than that to me. Mm -hmm. um, so coming into Kuwait and, and seeing the culture, it was no different as far as food goes than it was in the U.S. It almost looked eerily similar. I mean, I see the McDonald's, the Burger Kings, yeah. the Hardee's or Carl's Jr.'s. And yeah, all the big brands, are here. all the big brands, you know, it's you walk through the malls here and you're like, is anything not American, mm -hmm. the food related? And um, so they eat just to eat. You know, there's very little conscious effort that goes into eating. It's like, I'm hungry. That tastes good. Put it in my belly. That's it. And so my experience, I've been in Kuwait now for a little over one year. Um, and what I've learned so far is, you know, most of those perceptions as far as safe dangerous, whatever you might have it, is pretty false. I mean, mm -hmm. I feel safer here than I did in my in my hometown in San Diego. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, I was actually gonna mention that. I feel so safe here to the point where uh in South Africa you always have to lock doors and you know, absolutely lock things, you know like absolutely and here I just like it's like I don't I don't have that sense that anyone's gonna steal from me, rob me, I'm gonna get into danger. It's it's really as pleasant. 
Yes, it's very pleasant except for the weather. It gets hot in the summer. Yeah. I don't know if you've been here in the summer. No ways. But it gets scorching. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, I feel safe. I mean, I don't even lock my door, mm. you know, on occasion. Um, walking down the street late at night, you know, it, it's safe. There's no bars on windows. There's no gunshots going in the background. There's no police cars chasing bad guys. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those, those are a lot of the perceptions that are definitely false um, as far as safety goes uh, within this country. Okay, amazing. And yeah. what brought you here? Uh, was it work specifically, or was yeah? There a so it was message? it was uh, work, you know, that brought me over here. And um, what I found out through work is that um, when I first came over here, I was only vegan um, like a few months in to this journey. And mm. what I found um, in this journey going forward is that I've learned so much along the way that I wanted to share with people. Um, and through that learning, um, style that I, that I took on, you know, through, through Instagram, YouTube, documentaries, all that sort of stuff of the learning, um, that goes along with it. Um, I felt compelled to really share as much as I could. So most of my time spent here is sharing and educating people on food, um, and, and why this lifestyle can be beneficial to anyone on, on any walks of life. Amazing. So let's yeah. get at it. You said you're an amazing storyteller and yeah. I was introduced to your storytelling <laughs> at the picnic. Let's put this whole conversation into perspective while we're talking about different perspectives. Uh, and let's hear what you're about. What is the Kevin Luna story? Yeah, absolutely. So it really begins in San Diego. Um, I was born there um, in the early or late 80s, um, 88. Um, I was born. Same in, as me, brother. Same as you. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. So I was born in uh, San Diego. I had lived a relatively typical kind of American lifestyle. I didn't grow up rich. I didn't grow up wealthy. It was more on the lower end, you know, like just, I wouldn't say in poverty, but I would, we weren't, we didn't make very much money. Making it. Yeah. We Paying were just bills. barely making yeah. it, um, barely scraping by. Um, my parents got divorced when I was young. So my dad raised us. Now my dad did the best he could. He worked construction. He had, it was mm. me and my sister. He dated girls back and forth. Um, but he pretty much raised us himself and he did the best that he could. Um, oftentimes he spent a lot of money just having someone watch us while he was at work. Um, food was something that we didn't think about too much as far as, as far as a nutritional value. Food was just, if we had enough, that's good enough. Just yeah. whatever we could get. Full the tank. Absolutely. Any kind of luxury or anything like that was very, very rare. Sometimes it was fast food. You know, mm. because fast food at the time, even now, is cheap. Mm -hmm. You get a, a dollar burger, um, dollar tacos. Yeah. You know, it's something that could could feed the family uh, relatively cheap, and people get hooked on that. Yeah. And so I lived that lifestyle for a while. Um, as I grew up and got older, no one really taught me much about nutrition. No one taught me about how to eat. Most of what you learn is what you see on TV, what you learn from culture, what you learn from everyone around you. Um, unless you look into it, um, it's really hard to find anything that makes sense. Um, so my diet consisted of, um, primarily fast food. I was living on a junk food diet back then, um, as I grew up into adulthood. Uh, but something really powerful, I would say, um, happened to me that really changed my whole view on, on the world. And it came very sudden. And it wasn't something that anyone expected. Um, what happened was my father 
actually committed suicide. And he was everything to me. He was someone that I looked up to, a role model. He was someone that I wanted to be like. Uh, he was, you know, as you would imagine, you know, your, yeah. your single father raising you. Um, he was your whole world. He's the whole world, right? Yeah. And uh, it's been about, I would say, two years now since that happened. So mm -hmm. relatively fresh, yeah. relatively new. Um, what I found through that experience was um, you could go one of two ways, you know, and I look at, I look at the way, the direction that I went mm -hmm. and I look at the direction that my sister went. Mm -hmm. We both were raised the same. We both had the same kind of upbringing, same kind of raising. Um, but, you know, what, what a male goes through and what a female goes through is always different. And it's always different based on the culture. You look at a culture here like Kuwait mm. and how females are treated versus the culture in the U.S., very different. Mm. So you might be raised in the same family and expect things to be the same for each um, individual child, um, but it's so different. And so what I learned is um, you can go one of two ways. The direction that I went is really a self-learning and a self-assessment and really analyzing why. Um, the biggest question I had after that happened was just why. Why would this happen? Like, nobody knew. There was no answers. There was no note. There was no signs. Often people that do that have a sign. You know, it's like you could see it. Not mm. often, but sometimes, you know, yeah. you could sense it, right? So there was no depression. There was nothing. There was no clinical depression. There was no drugs being taken. Um, there was nothing that pointed to this could happen, right? So it was a huge shock. And so that's the direction that I went. My sister went in the other route. She went into self-hatred. She mm -hmm. went into drug addiction. Yeah. Um, she lost her job. She couldn't handle life without my father because he was such a big part of both our lives. But she was the type that was always dependent on others and dependent on him. Where I was a little bit more dependent, I moved out when I was 18. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, she was in and out living home. So the point is, I started looking within and finding out answers. I started questioning everything. I wasn't a rebellious person, but I would say I was someone that was more curious about the way the world works. Yeah. And didn't start to just believe in things as they seemed from the first get go at. You yeah, will it, willing to test the norms. Yeah, exactly. And and really willing to do a lot of more questioning, a lot more research. Mm. Um and so I tested all kinds of different things as far as as far as learning, you know, learning more about why someone would commit suicide, learning more about the the male um you know, the masculinity. What does masculinity mean? I read an amazing book that really helped shape it. It was called the um The Masculine um by Lewis House. Uh, have you heard oh, of him? Well, uh, no, I know Lewis Howes really well. Um, yeah. I haven't read that book yet, though. Yeah, he has, a, he has a, I mean, he has an amazing podcast. Yeah, it's amazing. Right? You've probably heard it, right? And uh, But he has a book, and it's, um, I think it's The Masculine Living, um, or something along that. I'll oh, find no. it, and I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, it's, it's uh, something about the mask that we live in, or okay. something like that. And in that book, he showcases all these different masks that 
that men wear depending on the situation they're in they have like he talks about like the joker mask like the the person that wants to be always the one that's making people laugh and always the funny person in the crowd almost like the class clown you know if you mm. think about in school yeah of course. right um that they just can't be happy if they're not making others laugh mm. like robin williams yeah. He talks about Robin Williams and he shares his story, how he always wanted to make people laugh, but you can see what happened in, yeah, of course. in, in the end of him, right? I think there's so much that goes on on the surface that contradicts what happens below the surface. And it's, it's so cliche and saying, but it's that whole like image of where they've got uh, that iceberg uh, that's just peeking out of the water and that's just yep. the tip and it looks massive, but underneath the water, it's... Uh, you know, it's so much bigger, 10 times the size. I, I, I want to go back to the your actual experience there because I've got people, my family included, we had three suicides in one year. Uh, when was it? Two God. years ago, same year. My God, wow. And also unanswered questions. Yes. This question of why, whether it's suicide or whether it's anything else that is getting you down in life, people battle with not having answers. It can cripple you. Um. Yeah. How did you deal? Obviously, you explained to me how your sister kind of dealt with it and she got more into drugs. And, and I can relate with that too. It's like it's perfectly, it's perfectly okay because it's pretty fucked up, yeah. you know, to, to lose someone so close to you. Yeah. Uh, but you, you kind of pulled your way out of – you were determined not to stay in that hole. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so was it because that you, you got an answer or was it because that you let go it's actually because I started learning. I started searching. I started to kind of, in a way, take my mind off of it and say, how can I use this moment as a positive? How can I, it really woke me up. I was like sleepwalking. I was just like everyone else. You know, I was just doing the same thing, going to the job, you know, nine to five, going home, going to sleep, eating some junk food or whatever, hanging out with friends, having some drinks just going with the flow. I didn't really I didn't really view life as anything more than that. I was mm. just like a sleepwalking zombie. And I feel like that moment woke me up inside and said, hey, life is short. Mm. It's time to wake up. Yeah. And I used that as motivation. Um, and I thought about everything that he taught me, the positive moments that he instilled in me, you know, from the work ethic to he was always such a positive person. He was the type of person that would want to make you laugh. Um, he got along with everyone. So he wasn't he wasn't a depressed person. Mm. And so I just looked at what he what he would want me to be. Mm. Who would he want me to be and how would he want me to live this life? What kind of positive changes in this world would he want me to make? Yeah. That's how I live. That's what I think about. Do you are you there now for your sister? how's your relationship with your sister? Because that can sometimes tear families apart. Yeah, you know, and and I mean, I'm thankful in a way we don't have a large family to tear apart. Mm. It's a very small family. I have my mom and my sister now. Mm. And um, my relationship now with my sister is I'm unable to reach her on a consistent basis. Uh, without a job for her, she doesn't have a phone. So it's very hard to connect with her. Um, oftentimes she just in and out of people's places um, where, where she's just looking for the next score, mm. you know? So I don't, I don't, I've attempted many times to help her. Um, I've tried to bring her into my own house before I've gotten evicted mm. in places that I brought her in because she just couldn't handle herself. 
try to get her on her feet. One time I literally took her to where my dad was from, where my, my dad's dad was from in New Mexico. We drove about from California to New Mexico in the States. It's about, about a 12 hour dry or so, yeah. uh, give or take. And I literally took her. I said, let's go. We're going to hit the road. We're going to New Mexico. And I took her with me. And the whole ride there, I played, uh, not the whole ride, but the majority of the ride was like motivational stuff, yeah. how to get you out of, you know, this funk that you're in. Um, I think it was one of the things we were listening to was like the seven habits of highly successful people. Yeah, I love that. You know, just, just stuff like that, that, that really, I hope to get her out of this funk. When you're, when you're in a funk like that, um, I mean, you know, yeah. you know, just as good as anyone, um, you need something shocking to get you out of there mm. sometimes. And, uh, and, uh, you know, you're stuck in a car 12 hours. You can't just jump out, mm. right? It's, let's learn some stuff, you know, and I couldn't reach her. Mm. I did everything I could in my power to reach her. I feel like my, one of my goals is to strive to be stronger and, uh, more capable to be able to bring her in mm. and just be a good role model to her. Um, it's the best I can do now from afar. Look, I think through, through my experience with drug addiction and alcoholism, you turn your life around when you are ready to turn your life around. And it really is true what the the ancient Indian sages and, and gurus uh, have uh, given us in information through the Bhagavad Gita or, or any ancient scripts is that your guru or your teacher does show up when you are ready for, for him or her or it or whatever it is to show up. Um, and, that is more, I've always said, that saying is more for the outsiders to understand. Because when you are in the mess and the turmoil of depression or anxiety or drug addiction or whatever it is, the, the whole year in life, from your perspective, again, seems like it's a theme of this podcast, from your perspective, it life just is what it is. And, and it doesn't seem like it's going to change. To everyone else, yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, I want to get you out of there. I want to get you out. But I know, like for me, I didn't want to listen to anyone um, until I was ready. And like, I, because I was the one that took myself to rehab. And I think if anyone came earlier and tried to put me, say, in rehab or try to sober me up, I would revolt against the system and revolt against whatever anyone said. Of course. Uh, so Human I think nature. what you're doing is probably it's you're doing what 99% of people don't do, which is amazing. And I can see it because I can see the love in your eyes, um, the gratitude, and it's, it's being there for the person. That is what support is. Uh, it's not like trying to force a person to change. It's like, okay, you're going through this. I understand. Um, don't judge you, but uh, I'm here. And uh, I believe that everyone has a good go at life and I believe your sister will have her chance to not make things right because what she's doing is not wrong she's she's grieving in in, in a different way to yeah. you and me yeah everyone um, grieves in their way and sure. uh, she will get through this like spiritual blockage if, if for lack of a better term you know um, when did your relationship with your mom have you always had a good relationship with your mom because I know now you and your mom it's you your mom and your sister yeah um there was a bit of a backstory there with your mom um, yeah so my my mom had um you know my parents got divorced when i was around two so she was in and out of my life for a lot of the time she struggled she she struggled with her own drug addiction as well mm. um but her kind of 
um, demons, if you will, was really of the prescription kind. Um, she was addicted to pills. Yeah. Um, you know, like the hydrocodons and that sort of stuff that'll, that'll really mess you up. Um, and so she couldn't shake that. Um, she was in and out of jail as well and living on the streets. And so she was out of my life for much of the time. There was very small times I remember as a child where she would get custody, you mm. know, for a short amount of time and just lose it, um, based on reckless behavior or, or not being able to control the addiction. Um, so she would lose that custody battle. How many years for your over. life did she suffer with addiction for until she sobered up? Man, I, I would probably say as far as I remember on 10 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so as a, as I grew up and I was an adult and she was, she was clean. Um, she wasn't on, on any kind of drugs like that. I mean, the hardcore kind of stuff mm. that would mess you up. I mean, she took prescription drugs, you know, for her medication that she, that she needed for health issues. Yeah, right? sure. And, uh, I mean, which is a huge problem in the U S I'm sure as you might of know, course. Uh, every second person, I think the stats are at now. Yeah. Um, and it's only growing. Mm. And so, um, what happened between us is we never had that strong relationship when you, when you don't trust someone, right? Because you don't see them fit as a parent and they want to give you any kind of direction mm. or support, but like you were never a good role model and mm. you're not working. It's hard to take that person seriously, no matter who they are, yeah. even if they're your biological mother, mm. um, because you don't feel that, that, um, bond mm. and you don't, you don't see them doing it themselves, mm. you know, cause she's not working. So she typically lives, um, off the government. Um, so she gets, um, her government housing paid for food stamps, you know, that sort of stuff. And, and really how, um, our relationship had changed over the years is, is I didn't see her as someone that I could rely on or that I needed for my own growth or development. She was just someone that, that I would give almost sympathy to just because she's my biological mother and, and I'll call you every once in a while, see how you're doing. I'll care for you, but not that kind of loving, caring, like I want the world for you, mm. you know? Um, but she started getting sicker, you know? And, and I think that, that your mind starts to change when mm. you think of the thought of that person not being there. Did you not hold any resentments, uh, that for the lack of nurturing that you got for you, from your mom? I think that's some of it. I mean, I think that's a big part. I'm sure that I did hold some resentment, um, towards some of her choices. Cause when I look at it, I can't relate to struggling with, with a drug addiction. Um, I can't relate because I haven't been. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's not as, as clear and cut for me to say, I understand you fully. I know what you're going through. I know what you went through mm. and I know what you had to do to battle, to get out of that. Like I do now, I understand that a little bit more now battling with my own, I had a food addiction, mm. right? Which I'll talk about. And, um, so now that I know this side, you know, I can relate to her a little bit more and I'm a little bit more understanding for sure. Yeah. So some of that resentment, you know, goes to the wayside because it's, um, it's, uh, it can be like a disease, you yeah. know, that you, you can't, you can't shake, you know, until, until you get the right kind of help. Yeah, of course. Or you, or you like you said, something just clicks mm. where you say, I'm going to make this change. Mm, of course. Yeah. So then your mom started getting more sick. Yeah. So she, she got even more sick. And so... 
really what happened, I'll, I'll connect with my mom and what happened as I, as I talk about my story, um, a little bit more, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. I yeah. Want to and then I'll reconnect, story. uh, with how my mom plays into this yeah. and how, how she shaped my mind and in her own mind as well. So I continue as adulthood and I eat, you know, like I always did. Um, carrying on. So you move out of home and you still carry on eating junk food. Yeah, absolutely. Carry on, you know, um, work gets more challenging. I'm working in restaurants. I'm managing restaurants. Um, that's what I, that's what my specialty is. I've been in restaurants for 15 years now. Oh, wow. So you got straight into the restaurant game. Okay. Absolutely. I started restaurants when I was 16. You're you know? a sucker for the food game, eh? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, what happens when you learn that world, you know, is that you understand the ins and outs, but you don't really know health. You know how to make some food, like whatever your restaurant may be, but you're not learning about health. You're learning what tastes good, what's going to sell. And that's all that matters, right? Um, it's very rare that you're talking about, well, what can help these people? You know, what can make them not only taste good, but also can help their health? That's the on the back of your mind, yeah. right? It's all about profits, right? Of course, bottom line is everything <clears throat> at the end of the bottom day. Bottom line is everything, top line, right? And so, um, so I was doing that and I was actually diagnosed with a rare disease. And it was very crazy how I found out that I had this disease. I started experiencing a lot of pain in my spine. I would wake up in the middle of the night. I was living in Houston at the time, Houston, Texas. And I would wake up in the middle of the night with this sharp pain in my spine. And I couldn't figure it out. I would go to the chiropractor. I was going to different doctors. No one could figure out what this was. Um, there was no diagnosis. The only thing that they were offering was you could take some pain kills or painkillers. Um, medication drugs and I'm like that's not going to solve this issue I need something concrete something that's mm -hmm. going to help solve this right what was the, the the disease called yeah so the disease was called um ankylosing spondylitis and you could look that up and it ends up that's turns a mouthful. out yeah. it's a mouthful yeah. yeah right and so um what you find out is that that um disease uh is an autoimmune disease and it's so crazy how I found out. So I was suffering, right, for a long time. I mean, probably several months. I couldn't figure it out. With pain, pain. inability to move. It was both, okay? So it really stiffens your spine, yeah. okay? So it becomes really, really stiff, and it's hard to move. And it feels like arthritis. Anyone that experiences arthritis mm. kind of pain, when you're not moving your joints or you're not moving, it becomes really stiff and really hard. Okay, yeah. so that's the same kind of feeling I was feeling. So at nighttime, it was the worst. When I was sleeping, when I was resting, the pain would come in. I would wake up in the middle of the night in like a sweat, and I just couldn't shake the pain. I would take a hot shower. Yeah. I would do anything I could, trying to stretch. Nothing was working. I was actually driving down the road. And uh, crazy story, I was driving down the road, and I heard a radio ad in Houston that was explaining like all these different symptoms. And I was like... I'm not a hypochondriac. I actually hate going to the hospital. Yeah. And it was explaining all these symptoms. And I was like, that sounds eerily similar to what I have. And it was called ankylosing spondylitis, or they called it AS, right? Like MS, multiple yeah. sclerosis, AS, okay. ankylosing spondylitis. So they're both autoimmune diseases. Mm. So I went into the doctor. And you know what's funny about the doctor? And you tell him, I think I might have this. Oh, let's do some tests. Yes, you have it. And it's like, really? Yeah. Like that? Like, how can the some random thing that I think I might have and you're ready to like jump the gun and say, yeah, that's what you have, you know? So you take them at their word, you know, they're the doctor. 
They're yeah, the they're expert. The professional. They're the they professional. They should know everything. They should know what's going Let on. Let me hand over everything in my life right? to them. Absolutely. So anyways, the drug was so expensive. I couldn't afford the drug. My insurance didn't cover it. It was 2,000 US dollars per injection every two weeks. That equates to 4,000 US dollars per month. Oh, wow. What do you, what does a person it do in this scenario? Ridiculous. There was no option. There was no option B. There was no, this might work. It was just, you so it was like that or injection or nothing or nothing. There wasn't anything else. Injection or hit the hot shower. Absolutely. Right. So what I did is I couldn't afford it. So I waited a little while, right. Till I had a better job. I changed jobs, right. Mm. Better insurance. I went back, right. I started taking the drug. I got it prescribed. It was much cheaper. It was like so. Your insurance free. covered it. No? Insurance covered it now. Same price, but insurance covered it, right? So I start taking the drug. It's an injection every two weeks. I take a, this injection into my leg, right? Now, the purpose of this drug, what this drug does, not the side effects. There's many side effects. Good <laughs> luck up. The actual sur- sole purpose of this drug is to weaken your immune system. They actually have to test you for tuberculosis to make sure that you are clear to take this because it's mm. going to weaken your immune system so bad that tuberculosis can kill you. Mm. Okay. Which is very dangerous, right? Yeah, Already. Of course. Okay. But what do you think happens when you take a drug or anything that's going to weaken your immune system? Yeah, what are you more likely to do? sick all the time. It just must've changed you instantly. Absolutely. So I was more likely to get sick. I got the common cold. Okay. I'm the type of person that never gets sick. Yeah. I pride myself in never missing work. Always, always able to work. And I couldn't work for three weeks. I was knocked out with a cold. I couldn't even talk. My voice was so bad that I literally lost it. And it was the first time in my life that I felt scared for my life. Okay. Like I've oh. never felt that before. Okay. Because it was so bad. Um, I tried everything I could think of. I tried every Google search, everything you could possibly find. I was like guzzling honey, mm. you know, because honey helps you feel better. Yeah. Honey helps cure colds, all these different things. Right. But nothing could shake it. Someone recommended me to watch the documentary. What the health. Right. And I know you're, oh, wow. you, that's I know amazing. You're, so how many years is this? No, ago. This was uh, watching that was like 14 months 15 months ago. Okay, amazing. Guys, if you haven't watched What the Health, please click it in the show notes below. It's a must-watch movie for anyone, anyone in the world. Absolutely. I couldn't advocate for that that film enough, but I'm not going to give you the whole synopsis of the film. In a nutshell, it woke me up to how the food industry and the big pharma or the medical industry are so connected, and they're so intertwined and interwoven um, financially. Um, economically that they don't want you to know the truth about what the food does for you because it means huge losses in business. Mm. Um, and so after watching that, I was like, let me try, let me try some of the things that they, that they advise in there. One of the things is taking away the meat, the eggs, the cheese, um, the dairy. And I was like, let me try this (laughs) and give it a shot. I'm the type of person like, I'll try it. You know, what's the worst can happen. Right. So I try this within about two, maybe about a week, I would say, the symptoms of the cold started to subside for the first time in three weeks. Okay, I was finally actually feeling better. Okay, and I was like, this is pretty cool. Yeah, like, this yeah is what's great. happening? Yeah, this you is know, <laughs> like Maybe there's some truth to this, right? Um, within the first, maybe another month or so, 
the pain in my back started going away. So, so right? were you just to backtrack? Were you off the meds, the injections? No, I stopped taking that immediately. Once I started feeling sick, I said, I don't care how much pain I'm in. Okay, so what, without watching the movie, you just without watching the movie, stopped I said, the injection. I said, forget this drug. Yeah. Okay, because I'm very, I was so anti-drug because of the way my mom. Of course, yeah. Um, what happened with my mom and her choices? I said, I don't want to be like that. I said, that's the last person I want to be like. You know, is someone that's going to be so addicted to drugs that they can't yeah. function in life. So I said, I don't want that. Take that out immediately. Um, I started feeling a lot of pain subside in my back. You know, the stiffness started going away. Um, I started to do more research. And what I found in the research that I did um, is, first of all, the health benefits. Okay. I learned a lot more things that a plant-based diet can do for your health. Okay. The second thing I learned is the environment. The environment impacts that this animal agriculture has on our earth mm. and how many things that it's destroying. The third thing, right, that really kept me to stay in this lifestyle um, that I have chosen is the ethics. And that's really the number one. It's what the animals go through every single day, every single hour, every single second, just so that we can have a snack mm. or a sandwich. Mm. And after watching that kind of footage, mm. the slaughterhouse footage, the raising of the animals, I told myself, I do not want to ever pay for this again. I started feeling healthier. Mm. I realized I don't need these animal products. I didn't need too much proof because I have an uncle who was vegan practically his whole life, who I always thought was crazy. He's one of those crazy vegans that doesn't talk to anybody, antisocial. Um, and, and he was not a very good role model as far as, as far as how he treated other people. But, um, I knew that you could live and be healthy because he was the healthiest out yeah. of my three, out of my, out of the three brothers, you know, and he was the oldest. Yeah. Okay. He's like almost 60 now and he's works construction every single day. He, uh, lives the plant-based, plant-based lifestyle and he rides motorcycles all the time. He races motorcycles still oh, wow. age 60. You know what I mean? Dirt bikes. That's incredible. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So that's I that's knew heavy was, on your body. I knew it was possible. Right. Um, I just had to start seeing the, the effects for myself. I just had to start seeing the truth. So that's really how it happened. What I find so incredible. Um, first of all, it's an amazing story and how you change and how, uh, you've got two teams here, you know, like what we are gifted with from whatever, whatever you believe in, whatever your faith is, whatever your religion is, whether, even if you're an atheist, uh, there's a common theme here that what we were provided with by this planet, whoever created this planet, by whomever you believe in, is really the antidote to disease and will help you heal so much faster than meds. And a bonus is it doesn't have any side effects, right? Uh, you can't get addicted uh, to an orange. Well, we can get into the food addiction later, but whole foods heal your body and they were meant they were there for us there are a few side effects okay one you might lose weight okay one <laughs> it might clear your skin up one you might have more energy two you're also going to be start thinking clearly yeah so those are some of the side effects and you might decrease your cholesterol yeah <laughs> you know you might prevent some of the leading causes S of death Absolutely. spend more on toilet paper yeah, that's for sure. It's 100%. It, it's all fiber, guys. So if you listen to this and uh, you, you're unsure, you're not vegan, you don't know where to go. Uh, I know there's a lot of vegans right now that are also have been reverting back to non-veganism. But at the end of the day, like Kev says, the pharmaceutical companies that are selling the meds, that are making their billions on the meds, 
are so intertwined with the food companies uh, are, that are so intertwined with the advertising. And if you're in America, you can really understand that because the advert comes on every two minutes about uh, buy this burger. Next ad is buy this med for <laughs> heartburn, etc. So I just implore everyone out there. I, I actually don't implore everyone. I'd love everyone to go vegan, but I implore everyone to take decision-making back to yourself and ask yourself, am I making this decision because of my own belief or have I been misguided by marketing material uh, that's discreetly been pushed my way for the last 30, 40, 50 years, wherever you're at? Um, I can attest to health benefits myself. Uh, being on a vegan diet now for almost five years, I've competed on world stages for triathlon, ultramarathons. It's not about where you get your protein, guys. It's about how clean your diet is, how whole the food is that you're eating and how less processed it is and where you're getting your fiber from, where you're getting your minerals, where you're getting your vitamins. All of these things play a huge role. Um, and get protein from the source. Animals eat plants where they get their amino acids from. Now, that's me for a Nutrition 101. Uh, what I did want to highlight here is you mentioned you had the injection, the injection was hurting you, it was keeping you in the same place, you're always sick, you dropped the injection, luckily you were mindful about it and you didn't want to take it, so you can be really grateful for your mom almost being your teacher in that aspect. Absolutely, I mean, I could have went the other way and said, you know what, I'm feeling sick, let me go back to the doctor and get something else to cover up that symptom, yeah. and then something else for the other it's symptom. It's a roller coaster. You know, and then you start yeah. adding and stacking, and that's really how, how people get into the trouble that they get in. And so... The next thing that I wanted to do immediately was I wanted to try this out. I said, okay, I've been doing this for a month. I've learned quite a few things for a month. Let me test this out on the person that I know has the worst health out of anyone I know, yeah. which was my mother, right? So what I did Why was- Why worst health? What was wrong with her? So, I mean, she has um, hypertension. She has thyroid issue. Uh, she was, um, if not diabetic, pre-diabetic. Um, she was overweight, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. She was taking probably about 20 different medications for, for her health. So right? the American package. Yeah, really, exactly. Um, and so I said, you know what? Let me talk to her. I said, I have something for you. Okay. I think that this will help you. Um, it was kind of like a test at the yeah, same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, let me see what I, what I can do. Blue pill, red pill. <laughs> yeah. And so what I thought was, I said, I really want to convince her to, to take a look at this. Okay. And the way I put it, I said, look, your health is not the best. Okay. You're probably not going to live very much longer. I was very blunt. Mm. I said, I'm going to have children pretty soon. Okay. You're going to be a grandmother one day. I think that I know that you want to see your grandkids. I know that you want to raise them. I know that you want to play with them. And I really want you to be there for them uh, when I decide to have kids. And so I said, you need to watch this film. And I had her watch What the Health. And I said, call me when you're done. Okay. She was in San Diego. I was in Los Angeles. And so what I did was she called me back after she was done watching. And she said, I guess we're going vegan. And I was like, all right, let's do this. And so um, from that point, I, I, I uh, drove down there. I started cooking with her. I started teaching her how to cook again because she didn't cook. She was always ordering out. 
um, you get in that habit, you know, of not cooking for yourself. So it's I was like, it's easy and it's sometimes cheaper. Like you said, takeaways. Are, yeah. It's like one buck a burger. Yeah, for sure. You know, on the short term, you know, it can seem cheaper, right? But it's your long term. Mm. It's like, how much are you paying in medication? Yeah. How much are you paying in these hospital bills? You know, if you really compare, you know, what's cheaper, a plant based diet or a, ve- a vegan diet is so much cheaper if the, when done right than any kind of typical on, omnivore or meat-eating diet. Um, beans, rice, pasta, legumes, um, seasonal fruits and veggies are the cheapest things that you could buy in the grocery store. They're much cheaser, cheaper than that block of cheese or that steak that you're yeah. going to buy. Right? Even eating out. You know the cheapest thing in a restaurant? Always the vegetarian option. Yeah. Look at any menu that you go to to any restaurant. The vegetarian option, yeah. if you're not at a vegan place or whatever, yeah, yeah, is yeah. always the cheapest option. Um, when you take out the meat, because people figure like, why, who's going to, not as many people are going to get that, you know, and it's cheaper to make. Right. So I tested it, um, on her. She went, she went, um, fully vegan, a hundred percent plant-based, um, really overnight, same as me overnight. And, um, she started losing weight. She started coming off her medication within about, I would say, about four or five months into it, um, she was off over half of her medication. Was she working with the doctor at the time? Because how did she know to come off it? Um, she decided on her own. Okay. She was still going to doctors and taking the recommendation. I would talk to her about her visits because I had moved to Kuwait by this time. Mm. So I was just talking to her over the phone. She's like, the doctor still says I, I need to take my cholesterol medication. And I was like, well, well, what is your cholesterol? You know, and, and she would share with me the numbers and stuff like that. We would talk about it. And I was like, it doesn't sound like you need it. It's already within the healthy range. It doesn't take very much science to figure out what the healthy range is. Mm. And so I was like, it doesn't make sense to, to be taking something like that. I'm not a doctor. I'm not in any place to tell her what to do or, or, or how to live her life. I said, ask the doctor again, you know, um, and, and they gave her the green light, you know, to take her off about half the medication. So the thing that surprised me the most about her turnaround and her recovery. Um, it wasn't like weight loss or anything like that. Um, it was really her mental capacity. Um, I couldn't believe how her mind had changed. Um, and what I mean by this is I remember her having an iPad and she could barely figure out how to use an iPad. She'd always tell me, I don't know how to connect to the Wi-Fi. I don't know how to send a message. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. Right now I move and I just taught her how to eat right the right way. Um, I, I, I shared with her, you know, different recipes and that sort of stuff. And to my amazement, um, she was able to take the iPod and figure out how to use Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, everything. Um, she is like, she has more followers than me on Instagram. You know what I mean? And what's what's your mom's Instagram? It's, uh, I think it's right now, uh, mama lunatic. Uh, gone vegan or something Mama like that. Lunatic gone vegan. Yeah. Okay, I'll find um, it in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, and guys. so she's all about it. And what's uh, what's so funny about her is that um, is that because of her brain changing, you know, she's so much more functional. She's so much easier to talk to. I believe that what happens is when you take out the animal products, your cholesterol, your saturated fat is lower. It affects your blood flow. Mm. right all your blood carries the oxygen carries the nutrients you know into your cells and everything there must have been some blockages in her brain wave in her brain area right that was blocking the blood um to make her brain process Mm. you know functionally and so um doing more research and learning you know a little bit more about it 
um, I found out that that plays a huge role and people have reversed their dementia and Alzheimer's with the plant-based diet. And, um, I don't know if that's the direction she was going, but the way her mind was going, um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's, if that's where she was going. I think if I had to briefly put, put it into one sentence, uh, I believe that eating meat, uh, animal-based products, cheese, milk, dairy, eggs, at the end of the day is bad karma. It's yeah. a lower energy that you're taking in. We all want the same thing. Whether you are on a paleo diet, whether you're on a vegan diet, whether you're a breathitarian, I don't care what you are in the world, we all want the same thing. We want to be happy. We want to be more vibrant. We want to have more energy. We want to be successful. And I've tried both. So you can't tell both of us have tried both. Yeah. And I, I don't miss anything because I still get so much taste within my food. Uh, the only thing now I don't get is I don't get this heavy feeling anymore. I don't get, I'm not weighed down by lower vibrational energy that I find is in dead food, dead beings. And automatically when you start eating lots more fruits and vegetables and these foods that are alive and abundant in color and abundant in fiber and vitamins and minerals, the vibrational frequency the energy frequency is much higher. And as much as uh, you might say I, th I sound uh, like out there or whatever, it's uh, we are all made up of energy. So yeah. whatever you want to say. And it's, yeah. uh, I've, I believe, and you've just shown it now by many stories, that the human body is strong enough to heal itself. Yeah. You give your body enough time to heal itself, it's going to find a way. Yeah. It's going to find a way to heal itself. It's fighting to heal itself. Yeah. When you constantly bombard your body three times a day with foods that are damaging your body and damaging mm -hmm. your cells and your arterial walls, what happens is um, you don't give your chance, your body a chance to recover. Mm -hmm. um, you'll find out that you're able to recover from so many different things mm -hmm. um, um, that you might not have been aware were possible and that you're not going to be taught mm -hmm. that are possible. And I like that you bring up, um, you know, plant-based and you talk about people that are they were vegan and they weren't vegan, you know, from Bonnie Rebecca or Tim mm. Sheaf or whatever. And the way that I look at those kind of stories or those kind of people is veganism is is not a diet. And you're going to hear food all the all the time because it's a big part of it. Yeah. But veganism is the belief, you know, that to cause the least amount of harm is practically possible mm -hmm. um, to to animals, whether that's food, whether that's clothing, whether that's entertainment. Okay, so that's what I've learned as the number one thing. Like I said in the beginning, I learned about the health aspects. That's how I started. Yeah. Right. But I didn't stay for the health. Yeah, me too, brother. Right. Same I stayed me. absolutely for the ethics, and mm. I can't see myself paying for it, mm. right, um, ever again because of the the amount of pain and suffering that goes through. That's the difference between a lot of these diets. Is like, well, which diet? Every people say every diet can work for each person. Each person has their own kind of diet, right? Mm. But there's no diet out there that's purposely um, choosing to cause the least amount of harm as practically possible to other beings. If you can live happy and healthy, right, yeah. um, without harming anyone else, then why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, and I think that that's that's um, that's what it's all about, and that's what I try to teach a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I know you we do a lot of similar yeah. work as far as as far as teaching and educating people, um, and also through food. Mm. Um, one of the things that, that I like to teach about is how food can taste so amazing. 
um, one of the next things that I'm that I'm really working on over here in Kuwait to help open kind of like the the vegan kind of mindset is bringing in um, the Beyond Meat Burger here. I'm oh, working amazing. with a guy um, right now that hopefully it should be in Kuwait within the next few weeks um, and readily available and in restaurants and people could put it in their recipes. And um, I'm going to be <clears throat> convincing. Um, owners and restaurant owners. I've already talked to several that are super interested in it. They really want to put it on their menu. They've been trying to find an option like that. If you haven't tried the Beyond Meat Burger or something similar to that, like the Impossible Burger, it's a plant-based burger. You know, the Beyond Meat specifically made from pea you protein. You won't know the difference. Right? <laughs> it's made from pea protein. Okay. It tastes exactly like beef. Yeah. It tastes exactly like it's a amazing. regular burger. It's amazing. And I believe that that's the way of the future. And I know that you're doing a lot of amazing things within your restaurant, mm -hmm. teaching that you can get amazing tasting food. You don't have to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's the way that this future has mm -hmm. to go in order for us to all come together. Yeah. Um, because it's cheaper. It's, it's more sustainable on our planet. Or well, let's just take the subject that's happening right now in the world. Everyone has got their hands in the air, up in arms about global warming. And I'm like, guys, if that's what your focus is on, then you've got to look at the thing that humans do the most. Any human in the world does the most, and that's eat. We eat three times a day, minimum. Most people can eat five, six times a day. And if you look at the stats, the biggest global warming climate change contributor is cattle farming. And cattle farming is massive. It's it's huge, and it's destroying our planets. And it's it's not just about cutting down the forest. It's about cutting down the forest, transporting it, feeding 70% of the world's grains are used to feed the animals that we are going to be killing at the end of the year to fill uh, 6, billion, 6 billion stomachs. And I say 6 billion. I know the population is around 7 billion because 1 billion are starving. Yeah. So yep. there's just, there's a, a lack of balance right now as, as humans. We all want the same goal. So, I don't. I don't think that uh, not people that are non-vegan and are supporting uh, anti-climate change. You know, I, I, I'm not against them, but I'm just like ask yourself the question: Are we just finding uh, eating what industry calls beef, pork, all that fine, or why not let's take the marketing bullshit out of it and call it as it is? I don't call broccoli something else. You know, call beef cow. You know, like cut up, cut, cut up cow. Yeah. Uh, what do you want? The the cow's ass. You like cow's ass? Okay, cool. Uh, you like this? You like a cow's rib? Uh, do you like a pig? Hey, what about a lamb? A little baby lamb? You yeah. Know? And it's, I find a lot. I get a lot of hate for this, and people. My dad's a butcher. Yeah. So you know, and like people are, and I'm just like, I'm just calling it as it is. If yeah. you're taking offense, then that's that's your conscience. Uh, yeah, that's your conscience eating man. at you. Yeah, you're yeah. feeling it. Yeah. Um, and I think we, we're at a turning point in, in the world. Uh, I don't know if you recently saw that 16-year-old Greta Absolutely. Thunberg. She's, she motivated the whole world. I think over 130 countries yep. of school kids to be absent from school. She's been absent from school for a year now. I don't think she'll ever go back. She's just been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, amazing. Um, and she murdered all these school kids not to go to school and protest for climate change and to go vegan. Yep. And it's way beyond eating. Yep. Uh, like Kev said, um, that leather bag, it's not leather, guys. It's cow skin. Yes. Uh, that cow was raised for the pure reason to kill the cow, 
skin it and make a bag for you. Yeah. So if that makes you feel bad, I hope it does. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. And, and then, so like being in Kuwait, it's very much a meat-oriented country. Yes. I suppose like most countries, really. Yes. But it is, uh, you don't have as many vegan options here, many plant-based options. Uh, how are you finding it in this You know like, what? I thought climate. I was never going to find a vegan here. I thought there was going to be no food for me. I thought I was going to starve. But what I found was quite the opposite. I know at least 600% vegan restaurants um, within Kuwait, <clears throat> close to where I live. One's, there's two right across the street, you know, from where I live, yeah. right? Um, they import all their veggies, all their fruits, you know, so they're seasonal. They're, mm -hmm. I mean, they're not, they're not seasonal. They're year-round. It's not a third-world country where they can't supply themselves. They're a relatively rich company country, and so they're able to find anything that you could think of. You go to a supermarket, they have everything. I took a video the other day um, of all the plant-based milks that were sitting on the shelf, right? And I said, isn't it weird how 80% of these milks on this shelf in the grocery store across my street, okay, are plant-based, okay? Oat milk, rice milk, coconut milk, almond milk, soy milk, hemp milk, hazelnut yeah. milk. You have them all. And it was like 20%. Was cow's milk. Yeah. You know, um, you're right. The times are changing and they're changing here in Kuwait as well. Mm -hmm. What you'd be surprised is that there are a lot of options. And not only are there restaurants that are 100% vegan, there's restaurants with vegan options and they're changing and growing every single day. Mm -hmm. And that's my motivation. How do I get these plant based options into the restaurants that aren't plant based? How do I open their mind to business? Because you know what talks? Hmm. Money talks. Yeah. You know what talks in the country of Kuwait? Yeah, money. money yeah. Okay. <laughs> Everything is about money. You know who moves to Kuwait? Nobody. <laughs> Unless it's for money. People come here for the money. People don't come here for vacation. It's not a vacation destination. Okay. There's some beautiful places, but it's not like Dubai. Yeah. Okay. It's not somewhere where people go. So when you have money, and you have restaurants that have influence and you get these plant-based options like the meat, uh, beyond meat burger or the impossible burger. You get these place, these, um, taste inside the restaurants. You're making massive change. You're opening their eyes. They're going to do their research. They're going to look into it because every single person that I've had try the beyond meat burger, they're like, what is this? Yeah. How did they make this? It's only plants. Can you share more? It opens the door versus that person that says, go vegan, meat is murder. That sort of stuff doesn't work. Of course. Okay. It's counterproductive to what you're trying to do. And what I'm trying to do is make change. Okay. It's I want all about the world, moving forward. Yeah. It's about moving forward. I want the world to be a better place yeah. for tomorrow, for my kids, for the future generations. I want there to be a world to live on. Yeah. All right. Um, one day and that burger, you know, is like 80% less greenhouse gases, Yeah. you know, 90% less water. Like the stats of, of it are mm. staggering, you know, of how much impact that can make. And one of their goals, just so you know, I don't know if you know this, one of their mottos, the, the Beyond Meat Burger, right? Yeah. Is they want to replace the meat in the Big Mac. Could you imagine that? Yeah. Right? Mm. Huge. That'd be huge, right? How many millions and millions of cows are slaughtered unnecessarily mm. for a Big Mac? You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and that's... For the, well, for the pure pleasure of humans' taste buds. Yeah. Really. Which last five minutes, yeah. 10 minutes tops. You know what I mean? If you can get kind that selfish same to taste. Yeah, yeah, selfish. You get the same taste with no cholesterol. 
right? Mm. With less environmental damage, Mm. with no one having to die. And I say no one because a cow is not a thing. Mm. It's not an object. Okay. It's a someone. There's someone in there thinking, breathing, living, feeling. They cry out for their babies when their babies are taken from them. They're a living, breathing thing that feels that has a subjective reality, um, just like ours. Okay. They can see the world in their own view, just like we can see, we have our own perception of the world. So do they. When you take their life unnecessarily, when you can get the same taste, it's, you're right. It's selfish is the only word that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. All right. But most of us understand that that's how humans are. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's not just enough to, to share what happens with animals or uh, some people don't care about the environment. Some people don't even care about their health. Right. Yeah. Even the selfish people, sometimes they don't care about their health, but somebody cares about somebody else, right? When it's a family member, when it's a pet, when it's an animal, everyone cares about someone, Yeah. right? So when you put it into that perspective, and I love that you use perspective, and I use perspective all the time for my own self, but also for when I advocate for animals, is when you look at what they go through and you try to put yourself in their shoes and you're going through a tough time or you're going through a a rough patch or you're having a fight with your girlfriend or whatever is going through your life or you're dealing with a health crisis, none of that compares to what the animals are going through. And and when you put it into that kind of perspective, you know, and you can make that kind of change, you know, from your meals, from your daily meals, um, that's what inspires me, you know. That's what motivates me mm-hmm. for for hope, right, that people can change. Um, and like you were talking about that, where we first met, we had about 70 people that were all 100% plant-based vegan. And they brought so much different food. There was cookies and brownies. Um, there was sushi, all kinds of different food that you don't typically think is vegan. But, I mean, to make a brownie, mm-hmm. I mean, all you need is some dark chocolate mm-hmm. and an egg substitute, you know, which is cake. You know, so easy. You use flax seeds, yeah. right? You could use applesauce. Yeah. There's so many different things that you could do that's very creative. Um, but sometimes people don't really view. It's really easy to identify that steak is a dead animal. Yeah. I get that, right? I understand that. There's a huge disconnect between cheese <clears throat> or mm. milk or eggs mm. and like, I don't understand. Why is that suffering? Mm. No one's no one's suffering for a glass of milk, mm. where it's quite the opposite, yeah. right? It's probably worse. Where yeah, where a glass of milk, you know, could be more pain and more suffering um, than a steak, and that sounds crazy to say out loud, right? But what the mother cow has to go through is much prolonged suffering, and she ends up dying at the end of the process. It's usually four to five years yeah. where they're forcibly impregnated. Mm. Um, over and over, and yeah. where their babies are taken from them, it's the same feeling a human would feel if their baby. Well, was that's taken so crazy. Them. It's like what is forcibly impregnated? That's another. Uh, um, can't remember the word. It's escaped me. But I mean, that's essentially rape. Yeah, <laughs> you, know? you know, and and when you compare that word, yeah. you know, to an animal, it shuts people off yeah. in their mind because they say animals are not the same. Animals don't feel like us. You can't use that word. You know, but forget the word. Mm. What's the act? Yeah. And what are the feelings that are going mm. through that mother's mind? Right? Yeah. Um, that mother doesn't want you to stick any of your hands inside any of her parts. Yeah. You know, to 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 be used. 
right? So anyway, she goes through this, and then she's forcibly, you know, hooked up to machines mm-hmm. that are very painful, causes disease yeah. um, like mastitis, yeah. um, where she suffers and her udders bleed. Um, so you go through this over and over for four to five years until they can't walk anymore. Yeah. And then they're slaughtered for cheap hamburger meat. 50% yeah. of the beef in yeah. the U.S. for hamburgers is from a slaughtered cow, you That's know, right. a, a dairy cow. And so when you look at those sort of things, you know, and, and eggs are no, no better. You know, on the first day of life, baby chicks that are male are ground up alive. I know. Often in a macerator. And I, I share this for your audience, for maybe yeah. those that are listening that maybe don't know this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, because it's really easy to say, milk, it's fine, no big deal. But you, the best thing is it's so easy now. Mm-hmm. It's so easy. Instead of reaching for one uh, type of milk on the shelf, the cow's milk, you reach right across. And there you have the oat milk or the hazelnut milk or the coconut milk. You know, And some are good, some are bad. But the bright side is you have like 30 different options versus yeah. one option. You've had your whole life the same one. Yeah, well, it's like... People say, but there's no variety in veganism. I go, uh, if, I, if I move to veganism and I always say, guys, look at it this way. You've got about 10 animal-based products, includes eggs and your milk and uh, your pork, beef, or lamb, whatever it is. And you've got 20,000 edible plants. And I'm calling spices that you use to spice your meat, uh, you know, veggies, microgreens, grains, potatoes, sweet potatoes, sauces that you can make from nuts, all different types of nuts, seeds. Like it is endless and do not be lazy. Google is here. It's here to stay. All information is out there. You've never had an easier time in your life to adopt a cruelty-free, compassionate life as you have now. It's on your doorstep. You have so many people. You've got people like Kevin. You've got myself. You've got Claire uh, imparting on recipes. You've got major people like James Aspie, Rich Roll. You've got so many people making it easy for you. Um, And all these people, uh, myself included, we've come through the years now, uh, through the hard times, uh, you know, through the Kuwaits with no vegan restaurants, uh, through the South Africans with no vegan restaurants, nothing in the store. But now it's on your doorstep. You can walk into stores and there's 10 different uh, non-dairy milks. Uh, yeah. There's Beyond Burger that tastes exactly like meats if you still want that taste. And you know what? There's delicious, colorful, beautiful, fragrant fruits and vegetables. And um, I suppose I urge... Any listener that's listening to this now and that's not vegan yet, um, to adopt either a meatless Monday or try it out for a month. That's what I did. I was very against it at first. And then I flipped to a vegan diet overnight and I tried it for two weeks and I've never gone back. I was the same way. I was the type of person that I loved my meat. I loved it so much I would eat it three times a day. I'm from the U.S. where we eat more meat per person. Um, than any other country in the world. And um, when you live that lifestyle, there's co-conditioned to it. You know, so it can be very scary at first. Change is always scary. The first time you flew in a plane, I'm sure you were terrified. Yeah. Right? The first time you learn how to drive, it's pretty scary. Anything, any kind of change is always scary. And you brought up someone very interesting that that I look to as a role model or the type of people that, that I really found myself listening to was someone like James Aspie. Um, or Earthling Ed or Joey Carbstrong, those amazing guys. those type of people. And the reason why they spoke to me is because when I first started learning this, I looked for every single reason to keep eating meat. Yeah. And you know what I found with those people? 
right? Is they're talking to people, they're educating them on the street, they're asking questions. They get asked every single question you could possibly think in the book. And I thought I had all the, I thought I had all the questions. They asked questions I never even thought of. Mm. And I found out that there was no good reason. I'm still looking. If you yeah. want to hit me up on Instagram yeah, yeah. or YouTube, I'm still looking for a good reason to eat meat. I cannot find one. Yeah. Um, and someone like Earthling Ed um, said a quote the other day, or maybe one of his speeches that really stuck with me and resonated just recently. Mm. He said, imagine this. Imagine you're walking down the street and you see a man with a stick. Okay. And he's beating a dog. He's just beating this dog um, in the middle of the street. And you have three options. Okay. Option one um, is you grab a stick and you help him. You help him beat that dog um, until that dog is dead. Okay. That's considered a traditional meat-based diet, right? Where you're helping, you're contributing to someone else's suffering. Okay. The second thing, you have the, the second option. Okay. You can walk away. Okay. You can avoid that. You can avoid the suffering and you don't participate in any of that suffering. That's veganism. Okay. Option three. All right. Is you yell, you scream, you shout, you do everything you can to stop this person from harming this dog. And that's vegan activism and the dog lives. Okay. And the reason why that inspires me so much is because there's so many different types of activism right out there and activism can be a very triggering word yeah you know where you you think of activism as the people going out in the streets protesting you think of protest you think of the ones going in the grocery stores and saying meat is murder why are you eating that steak and they're so drastic mm -hmm. and over the top right but opening up a restaurant that serves some delicious food that's mm -hmm. cruelty free is also a form of activism yeah okay there's all types Okay, just recommending it to taking someone to, out to a restaurant, cooking a meal for someone, offering someone a vegan cookie. That's a form of activism, you know. And what I try to teach is people is that anything that you do, like veganism is the first step, right? That's step one, right? For anyone that's vegan out there that's listening, veganism is the first step. And I always teach people the second step is getting active. And that's the next thing that I'm working on with the group here in Kuwait. Um, I'm going to bring in the first, are you familiar with the save movement? Yeah. I'm working on bringing in the save movement into Kuwait. Um, and we're going to do Kuwait, um, animal save, Kuwait, um, climate save and Kuwait health save. They have three aspects. Typically, um, uh, um, the save movement is focused mostly on the animals, mm. um, and doing vigils where they bear witness and they give them water. Um, they take care of the animals right before they go into the slaughterhouse. That's what they're known for. Mm. Um, but they're now focused on the climate and they're focused on health. It's all about saving animals in any way that you can. And there's so many different ways that you can do it. Um, so that's one of the things that I try to help others, inspire others is to be active. And, and, uh, and I think that we could do it in so many different ways. Wow. Brother, you're doing amazing work here. I really appreciate it it's from really bottom of my heart. Uh, I hope your voice gets heard one billion times over. Um, and I'm very excited for Kuwait to have such a passionate guy. Uh, I, I hope every country has passionate people, you know, and that has a voice and is heard. And yes, everyone's got different perspectives, but try and hear Kev's perspective out because it really does ring true, it rings home. And it's, uh, I think all that humans have when we're born is compassion. We don't have anything else. We're born without, we're born naked. We're born without being able to talk. We're born without 
being able to walk. We're born without absolutely everything, but one thing we do have is compassion for people around us, whether it's people or, or animals or etc. And uh, I think to close off, uh, someone once said, "Is like if you I think it was Gary Yurovsky, so if you hold an apple and a live bunny to a newborn baby or or a baby in a cot, it's like and you ask the baby to." eat one and play with the other, play with another one. And it's like, if that baby grabs the bunny rabbits and sinks his teeth into it and eats the bunny rabbits okay, and plays with the apple, then I will go out and eat a steak. Yeah. That is close to impossible. Yeah. Um, so Kev, if you only had 24 hours to live, what would you be doing? Oh man, if I had 24 hours to live, um, I would probably travel around, spend the last amount of money that I have and just enjoy some delicious food. I mean, I'm a foodie and I love eating good food. I can't get enough of good food. I eat more food now, um, uh, as a vegan on a plant-based diet than I ever did before. Um, I would probably go to the cities that I haven't been to yet because yeah. I love traveling and I love seeing new cities. So I would go and I would be in the search for the best vegan food there is. I think that's what I would do in my last 24 hours. Um, and I would film it and document it and, and just show people that this lifestyle can be a whole lot of fun. That's amazing. Complete the sentence. The, this world needs. This world needs more compassion and more love. I don't think there's enough of it. I think that when you look to what's going on in the world, there's only more hatred brewing. Um, I truly believe that speciesism, which is the belief that other species are less than others, is the root of all evil. If we can eliminate speciesism, I truly believe that no, all the other forms of discrimination, if they don't end themselves, are going to lessen a lot. The racism, um, the other, all the other discriminations, the sexism, all those sort of things, I think will be eliminated yeah. um, if you start with speciesism, which I believe is the root. Gary Rofsky said that as well. Yeah. What is the purpose of the human experience? The purpose of the human experience? Um, I think the purpose of the human experience is to inspire others um, to be better people, inspire others to change the world. Humans do enough damage on this world. And I think that if you can inspire others to do better, to do more, uh, that that is the experience that we need to share with all our children and for generations to come. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you so much for uh, gracing me with your time, gracing with the audience with your time. Uh, you've uh, inspired me to act more, like you said, activism. It's just to act more and act with the belief of goodness and compassion. And uh, like, I want to get out on the streets right now and just start Let's go Activating. save some animals. <laughs> yeah. I know some. <laughs> it's amazing. But uh, thank you for your good work. I can't wait to follow your journey. Guys, please follow Kev's journey. Kev, where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at vegan underscore Luna or my YouTube channel, which is vegan lunatic. Amazing. Uh, we're going to do our best to put the podcast up as a video as well, guys. So you can check it on YouTube, both uh, my channel and Kevin's channel. And then until next week, I hope you guys have a truly inspiring week. And I am going to challenge you out there um, to have at least one vegan day and document it and send us photos and send us questions as well.
Uh, we're both the type of guys that love feedback. We love questions. And like Kevin said, he's waiting for an answer and why he he's waiting for an answer to eat meat again. Um, not He's not waiting for meat. He's waiting for the answer because I don't think it exists. Yeah, what's a good reason? Yeah. Share with me what's an amazing reason yeah. that just is undeniable uh, that we have to eat meat. And if there isn't, then push that one day to forever. Guys, I love you and until next week. Gotta make a change. It's time for us as a people to start making some changes. Let's change the way we eat. Let's change the way we live. And let's change the way we treat each other. You see, the old way wasn't working, so it's on us to do what we gotta do to survive.